Well, our movie on this episode is The King of Comedy by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, in case you hadn't picked that up already. Uh, we've, uh, we've done it before. <laughs> so this is a purely self-indulgent choice. Why are we doing it now? Because we like it. Because yeah. we wanted to watch it. It was five years ago that we did that episode. Yeah, we've earned it. I mean, we've come all this way. 500 episodes. So fuck, let's do The King of Comedy. Th- this film belongs to a very elite kind of shared canon of films. Gun to our heads. If somebody asked, you know, what is your mutual favorite movie? I think it would probably be this one. Probably, yeah. I have yeah. so much fun every time I watch this movie. Even though I, like, strictly, I kind of remember every beat of it. There's always things that I notice that I don't really remember or that I don't remember kind of with the same weight. Like, I always forget just how funny this movie is. I always forget how difficult uh, some scenes are to watch, even on, like, the fifth or sixth viewing. They're not getting any easier, I'll tell you that. No, if anything... Right, and that's interesting, too. If anything, they're getting they're getting harder to watch. And the comedy, I feel like I kind of... Uh, I don't know. I kind of appreciate it more. Rupert Pumpkin, by the way, is... Uh, the, p- uh, pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin. Right, right. Don't you mean uh, Pipkin? Uh, yeah, Rupert, Pipkin? Yeah, Rupert Pipkin. Rupert Pipkin is, is 34. That is a detail that is revealed in the movie which is the perfect age for him well it's my age which is by definition the perfect age uh i guess you're no longer 34 i'm I'm 35 which (laughs) which is a in some ways a bad age Uh, google defines it as early middle age you are definitely uh not a wunderkind anymore um (laughs) uh you are definitely not a cool zoomer anymore uh you are no longer the youngest person in the room mind you i think i'm wearing 35 very well i'm canada's (laughs) most beloved podcaster so well Frickin' Jerry Langford over here. And we still have not gotten any recognition from uh, the Canadian media. Though shout out that, to our friends at true. Slate for putting us on that list last year. We did appreciate that. Yeah, and I think I think a friend of the show, John Semley, mentioned us in an article in The Baffler, uh, which is not Canadian media, but he's Canadian. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's no, actually, can I, f- this is f- episode 500. <laughs> we, we've, we've been we, holding this in we, for we, years. We've joked about this for such a long time, but I actually do think it's, it's a conspiracy. It is kind of annoying, man. Like, <laughs> we are one of the most successful Toronto-based podcasts. Yeah, which isn't saying a lot, but also it's like it's not. You they, know. they love us in Columbus. They love us in Taipei. Come on. I'm just saying, if those if those cool alt weeklies, the grid, the the now magazine were still around, they still wouldn't put us on the cover. We are more notable than David Sucknacky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> more people vote for us with their analytics every single week than voted for him. All right, we should probably talk about The King of Comedy, Will. I am kind of uh, bubbling over with excitement to talk about this movie again, even though, yeah, we already talked about it once before. And we didn't re-listen to that episode. We're just going in blind. It's as if it's the first time we've talked about it on the pod. That's right. Maybe we'll say all the same points. I don't care. Um, This was the movie that Scorsese and De Niro made after Raging Bull. After this, for the next decade or so, Scorsese would kind of have to play by the rules. I say that, but fuck, I love the color of money. I love After Hours. Um, (laughs) Anyway, this movie could be seen as a sort of, uh, in some ways, lighter, but in some ways, not at all lighter variation on the themes of Taxi Driver. Yeah. The Travis Bickle character in this movie is Rupert Pupkin, played by De Niro a bridge and tunnel showbiz wannabe known to haunt the alley outside the Jerry Langford show, a Johnny Carson-like talk show. Now, well, I actually have a, a point of information to uh, to ask of you here, because I think when it comes to discussing this movie, you actually are kind of armed with a pool of knowledge about uh, late night TV and this type of show uh, that I am not. How much verisimilitude is there in the film's depiction of the fan culture around these 
these kinds of shows? Like, like was Johnny Carson, was Jerry Lewis, were they actually kind of getting mobbed in this way? Were there, were there these like cults of people who were just you know, waiting for eight hours to catch a glimpse of them and that kind of thing? Is that real? I mean, I have seen, I mean, not, not lately, but I have seen, you know, outside uh, where David Letterman used to have his talk show on Broadway, you know, just off Times Square, there would be people at the entrance, you know, just waiting for any stars who came in and out. Yeah, I guess I've seen that during TIFF. Actually, before I lived in this neighborhood, uh, I remember walking by uh, the hotel that's nearby here and it was during TIFF and there was this like massive crowd of people and I was like, wow, these people must be waiting for something like, you know, really significant. It's like a red carpet or something. And it turned out that it was people who were just like waiting all day in the rain because they hoped to catch a glimpse of Dennis Quaid when he arrived. Dennis Quaid. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) But in some ways, this movie is very prescient. In other ways, it's very much of its time. Obviously, people like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon are very famous now. They still travel in the upper echelons of society. But I mean, at the time, Johnny Carson, I mean, it was the monoculture. Like being on Johnny Carson meant something. If you were a comedian who, you know, did your set and got called over to the couch, the story goes that could make your career. David Letterman, you know, famously uh, had a stalker who would like show up at his house. But it sounds like it was kind of maybe even more true of the generation of late night hosts that's being represented by the, uh, you know, Jerry Lewis character, Jerry Langford in this movie. Because as you say, they represented a kind of monoculture. They were the guardians and curators in a sense. So their shows were of who, you know, was recognized as famous or as an up and comer or as, you know, part of the scene, part of the culture, which I guess just makes the opening scene of this movie so much more uh, significant and poignant because, you know, 